radical. Welcome to this week's episode of the Print on Demand cast. Each week, join the gnarly Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print on demand industry and equip you with the totally tubular tools, advice, and strategies you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now, on to this week's totally tubular show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Print on Demand cast. Travis is back from Mexico, uh, looking sun kissed and like he had enjoyed himself thoroughly in mm. uh, the land of, of my people, which might be news to some of you that have no idea that I'm Mexican at all. So, uh, but how was Mexico? Before we get into it, uh, how was how was the trip? Uh, Mexico was a lot of fun. Really, really nice resort. Had some friends that um, in, invited us down for um, one of our friend's birthdays. And so we went down there and there were three couples and it was just, you know, adults only, no kids. Um, really, really nice resort, all inclusive. So we just ate way too much food and drank way too much oh, alcohol yeah. and that's what and happens when it's all inclusive sun. yeah it that's, was great though yeah. oh yeah it's the only way really to do it in my opinion we went to one for our honeymoon and i was like you mean i don't have to worry about where i'll get food you know like we went out <laughs> and, and and outside the resort and had dinner a couple nights just to see um mm-hmm. you know what was out there but um but yeah i think it uh they're the way to do it. So, uh, but glad you're back. Good to, I'm sure you're not as happy to be back as those who are happy to have <laughs> you back. But nonetheless, you are here. And uh, thank you to those of you who are listening for um, being patient with us. Last week, we actually had this interview scheduled, but uh, the guest was sick. But he's not sick today. Uh, but thank you for enduring the re-airing, the rebroadcasting. Hope Hopefully you guys enjoyed Nick Eden's interview. Um, I know we enjoyed it the first time we talked to him yeah. and the first time we listened to it. So uh, lots of good stuff there. But today is actually a part two uh, to the conversation that we had with uh, Tate about production manager. We had some stuff that we actually left off on the first episode and said we we're going to do a part two. So this is what is going to happen for this week's main event. Ladies and gentlemen, the main event. All right, and with that, we will bring in Tate to the show. Tate, welcome back. Glad you can make it from all the way in the room down the hall. (laughs) Yeah, it took me a while, but I made it. Yeah, yeah, well... Before before we get into uh, the part two of this interview, we have to, of course, uh, have this week's weekly dad joke. So hit the bumper. Time for the weekly dad joke. <laughs> Talking to myself. There's no one else hitting bumpers around here. It's me with this mouse. So, um, <laughs> Tate, you have you brought one with you again because uh, mm-hmm. that is protocol for guests. So <laughs> give us your dad joke this week. Um, so yesterday I was arrested, um, for impersonating a politician. I couldn't believe it because I was just sitting around and doing nothing. And that's Tate's dad joke this week, which is (laughs) 
funny apropos it's true it's not true because he got arrested it's just funny because they all should be arrested (laughs) 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 so so, okay anyway and i think travis has our dad joke uh this week the front of the man cast dad joke so Mm -hmm. Travis, take it away yeah so i uh you guys know who uncle mike is uncle mike and Mm -hmm. jackie uncle mike's always on the, the show if you don't know who he is, go back. In previous episodes, we've talked about him a lot. He's been on the show a few times. And uh, he, we were talking the other day. He's, he was really excited. He joined an amateur autopsy club, which I was like, what? An, an amateur autopsy club? That's a little, little freaky for me. Um, but yeah. then I, I actually was able to see the calendar um, mm-hmm. of their events. And I, was, I got really worried for Mike because next Tuesday – is open mic night. Yikes. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Uncle Mike. Uh, Sorry, don't Uncle Mike. go on Tuesdays. <laughs> maybe maybe stay home and, and cornhole that day. And not, yeah. Not go so, yeah, there you go. That's these this week's weekly dad joke. Another two for one, as always. But... We're going to jump right back into this whole interview. The For those of you that missed the first episode, go back and listen to it, episode 87, um, and you can kind of catch up to where we are now. But the whole uh, premise of that particular interview was just kind of going over the job description of a production manager and kind of going point by point and asking Tate um, what those things mean in, in, in a, a real sense, not just on paper, but what those things mean and, and the implications thereof. So we're going to go ahead and pick up right where we left off. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, where we left off was um, in the job description, ensuring the production team has and maintains clean and organized workspaces. So Tate, uh, I know, you know, we all work in the same spot. I know that, you know, we're kind of cramped, bursting at the seams at times it would it would it would appear to be but how do you uh, help you know ensure that each team has an organized space even when sometimes space is limited um a lot of it is based on like what stuff gets used the most um i've taken a lot of time in each department to kind of create a system to where the stuff that's the most accessible is the stuff that's used daily and then the stuff that's kind of put higher up or crammed back in a corner is um the stuff that you use every once in a while or not at all because uh, we don't even have clients mm-hmm. that maybe sell that stuff currently or have active listings um but uh we recently introduced uh, a cleaning schedule we have like cleaning mm-hmm. ladies that come and, and do stuff on like a semi like weekly basis um but i wanted to kind of have some stuff that the everyone could do here um, themselves to kind of keep the workplaces organized because I could I noticed like over time people would kind of lose different items they'd be like oh hey I need a sharpie sure. and there's a box of sharpies you know but they don't know where it is and then I have to go find it so I, I created this cleaning mm-hmm. schedule for every department that everyone follows um, and it, it's not too complicated a lot of it is just you know uh, making sure that when I give them products that they go in the right space when I give them maintenance stuff that goes in the right space um, and then when new stuff comes in, just making sure that it's dealt with. Um, cause there have been days where, 
you know, I'm spending three hours receiving stuff because there's so many boxes back there of, of stuff mm -hmm. that we've received. And if I just left that there, it could become difficult for people to, to do what they need to do. So it's just, you know, staying on top of it and making sure that you don't let it build up on you because then that's when it gets overwhelming and you have to stop production to, yeah. to deal with that. I would also say you tend to, um, like in those situations, occasionally, if you can't get to those things, you might actually have somebody else check that thing in because you're, you know, that day somebody called out sick and you're in the embroidery room, for example, or something like that. And so mm -hmm. you might ask somebody else to check that in. Um, you might ask me or Josiah or somebody, you know, can you help me do some of this stuff um, just to, to uh, mitigate, you know, that those boxes stacking up. And then when you finally get yeah. a chance to get into them, it's not three hours, it's six hours or, or, you know, it's, we can't even roll a cart through there anymore because there's so many freaking boxes. So sure. yep. um, that's, that's super important. I mean, I, th I think as I look around, you know, I think that's probably one area that we need to do a better job as, as a, as a company, just, I mean, if you saw our workspace tour a couple episodes ago, um, <laughs> we literally are bursting at the seams. We have no space, yeah. but I think some of that could be alleviated if we were just a little less pack ratty <laughs> threw yeah. some mm -hmm. stuff away and, maybe um took some time i know we have some plans to, to to kind of get some of that done um with you know moving some of the vinyl stuff that we're not using as much and reuse utilizing that space we've part of the issue is we've got shelves and baskets that need to go somewhere that are just sitting in the middle of open floor space right because the walls that they're going to go on have other stuff on them that we're planning on moving so um it's it's kind of uh it's kind of a, it's a moving target. I think a lot of times, um, really trying to find that, um, that balance of efficiency and cleanliness and getting orders out every single day. Um, that's, it's, it's a fine, it's, yeah, it's a moving target. Yeah. Would you agree with that Tate? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the biggest thing is that there's always more stuff coming in. There's always more apparel being delivered. There's always more pallets of mugs. Mm -hmm. um, so you never really like get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I never have to you know, right. have this product in here again. So when you're dealing with that, a lot of times you just kind of have to be like, okay, this spot is allocated for these constantly refurbishing items. Um, there's like a specific spot on the floor where we store our apparel that I keep all the cases of t-shirts mm -hmm. right now and that's just where they are because i don't have anywhere else to put them and eventually i'll be able to find shelving space hopefully at some point when other items that are taking up that space dwindle down but for now it's like okay this spot is just dedicated to that and i don't have a better mm -hmm. solution um other than just doing that so finding stuff like that um but then also like you said you know uh, going through stuff and throwing out stuff that we don't need um condensing stuff because a lot of times i feel like we end up with like two boxes of stuff that can fit in one box. So mm. just going through and being like, oh, this can be condensed now down to one thing and opening up that space, um, you know, and then, you know, you just got to be a, a Tetris pro and just figure <laughs> out how you can fit the most items on one shelf. So, um, yeah. Right. <clears throat> so the next one on the list is maintain regular communication with management and other production team members via uh, Slack, email. I know we use Teams. It's kind of the mm -hmm. replacement for for Slack. But um, you talk about what that looks like practically for you on a day to day basis. I know we all 
are in the same space quite a quite a bit. Um, so maybe just talk about just you know communication in general, in addition to you know on on Teams or emails. Um, it is different based on like what type of information we're trying to pass. Um, one of the new things that we set up was. Um, obviously, we do a lot of e-commerce, so we need the art files for the e-commerce clients, and so it's a wide range of images. It's not the same one reoccurring like a thousand times like a screen printer would have. Um, so we have a certain spot in Teams that all those art files get uploaded to, but one thing we realized was that um, despite like orders getting placed on specific days and needing to be produced on specific days, a lot of times with clientele that are like local that do large orders – they're going to have one to two designs and they're going to be using those designs multiple times and on across a wide range of products. So we mm-hmm. created a folder that's called clients and mm-hmm. in there is a breakdown of every client that we have, like a local client or some bigger um, customer. And we have different folders in there that are art for the specifically for the DTG department or for the sublimation department for those products that we produce in those departments. And then we also have the original art that they provided to us, which is usually just their logo, stuff like that. So that if I, Hey, now I need to convert it to a PDF or now I need to convert it to line art because I'm doing this or doing this, I can go and find that original art and convert it and then create a new folder Mm -hmm. to house it in. Um, And that has really helped the efficiency of knowing like, okay, Hey, this client is in, you know, you know, the name of this client, you know, where to find all their art files. I'm the embroidery person. I can go find all the embroidery files in this folder specifically. Um, so that like for communication of files and like keeping art files in places that make sense has been huge for us. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I think like, as far as communication goes within the actual building and like talking with people physically, um, a lot of that is, uh, taking in information and figuring out where it needs to go. Um, I, I tell people this every time we hire somebody, I'm like, I never want you to feel like you're bugging me. And I never want you to feel like you're asking me a question too many times because the moment you feel like you don't need to ask this question because it'd be annoying to me is the moment you screw up a 200 shirt order and we're out thousands of dollars. Like that to me is like my five seconds of time answering your question could save us all that money. Um, But a lot of it, and we talked a little bit about this on the last episode, but a lot of it is like figuring out how to deal with things without involving as, or involving as few people as possible, because the more I can just make a decision or I can just tell somebody to do something and deal with it that way, rather than roping in, you know, Amy or Travis Mm -hmm. or Josiah, it makes it simpler for everyone because then there's less moving parts and it doesn't, force them to pull away from what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of ties in with like what I was saying about like, you know, different people's fires matter to them more than other people. So to me, it's like, I got to one figure out, okay, this really matters or this doesn't matter to this person as much as something other. How do I deal with it? Who do I need to talk to? Who needs to know about it and dealing with that and kind of like, making those kind of decisions about what needs to go on in, in the, in the warehouse. And then, um, you know, if something does need to go up a level, figuring out, okay, how do I want to explain this? You know, what details matter, Mm -hmm. what details don't, 
what have we done to you know solve the solution or come to a, a solution already why can't yeah. mm-hmm. that solution work why can't i find a new solution without talking to you et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. and usually that boils down to like oh hey the problem requires a tech that costs money or a part that costs money but um ultimately it's up to my discretion and i have learned you know how to chart those waters a lot over the last you know year and a half that i've been doing this um and it becomes more complicated the more clientele you have the more people you're managing but um i would say for me personally my confidence level has gone up dramatically since the last q4 a lot because i feel like i've learned the machines in the building a lot more over the last Mm -hmm. year and since q4 went so smoothly for us this year I feel like I was I got a huge confidence boost and went like okay I do know what I'm doing the pro, the systems I put in place the decisions I'm making are good decisions so mm-hmm. um I feel like I have that confidence now to just know okay I'm going to do what I think is best and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh you touched on a little bit is like knowing when to bring a problem up a level, you know, and um I used to work for a guy who basically told me um you know uh, you you can you can ask me anything but when you ask me a question you need to have a couple of options for me like answers basically so when you come to me don't just say hey uh you know this one order you know we're having a big problem with this order we can't and we're not going to have you know the the ink and time or whatever what should we do it's not my job as the owner of the company to figure out what, I mean, ultimately it is because the buck stops here, but it's not my job to figure out how we're supposed to produce stuff. That's the production manager's job. So tell me how we're going to fix this. And so, so I've already called, you know, our ink guy and they can overnight it for this much. And here's, you know, here's an eye or whatever, you know, and like having that, um, that'll help you a lot, you know, and as a production manager to come into your, supervisor or you know your whoever's over your your, the next level and having um having answers before you go to them and just bring them into your misery (laughs) you know actually Mm -hmm. have an answer that's 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 a really smart smart thing that you do yeah yeah jason used to say he worked with someone um as well that that said uh figure it out find a way there's six words and so that's what he'd always say to people when they come with a question or when they get hired, he'd say, here's my philosophy. Do everything you can to resolve it before you bring it to me without a solution. Like you said, Travis, come to me with the problem, but then tell me, but we did this, 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 and this, and we should be okay. Just want to let you know. So mm-hmm. to that point, um, let's see, notify the production team of large scale issues affecting equipment, raw materials, and or web-based sales channels. So a lot of that is just like, hey, we're out of black T-shirts or, hey, Amazon's down, so mm-hmm. there's going to be less orders today, so you need to do this with your time, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually – one of the, I'll just say, I'll just say one yeah. of the things that we, we recently did was um, implement a Tuesday morning meeting, uh, just a stand-up meeting. It's like 10, 15 minutes where we kind of come in and, and it's like, okay, what's new on Deco – network what's going on what are you working on dtg what are you working on sub what do you you know and getting everybody on the same page i mean that's one way to kind of make sure hey what do we got going out this week that type of thing um that's relatively new we we should have been doing it for a long time but we've we've only been doing it for a 
for like a month, maybe month, maybe, maybe two sure. months. Um, but I think that's helped. Would you agree, Tate, that that's helped a lot with the staff? Yeah, I mean, as much as I hate meetings, <laughs> like personally, um, I think the more that we do them regularly, the better. Um, and so I think that's definitely been good. Um, you know, I, and, and the thing is, like right now, it's kind of awkward. You know, nobody really says anything aside from like me and you and Josiah. But yeah. I think over time, as people get more comfortable with this format, people will become more honest and be able to vo- vocalize yeah. their opinions better. And I think that's huge for any team, you know, mm-hmm. doing any project that requires yeah. multiple people. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely been a big help. Um, I think that the monthly meetings that we do where we actually sit down and, you know, talk about everything that's going on is also hugely important to team morale mm-hmm. and keeping people kind of like grounded in like the, yeah, you're not just coming in here and pressing the go button on the printer a thousand times a mm-hmm. day. Like there is larger things going on. You're part of a team. You're part of a, the family that works here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think that kind of helps people realize like, yeah, we're, you know, we don't view you as faceless NPCs that just push buttons all day, you know? So, <laughs> um, that's been helpful. Um, and then I was just going to say like this part of my job, I think, or this part of my job description was put in there because we used to have this issue a lot where, you know, all of a sudden Mike lists some new thing and all of a sudden we have, you know, a thousand more orders for three XL Royal blue hoodies. And we're like, we had three of them in stock, you know? (laughs) So what do we do? (laughs) Um, but I think now, you know, we have good communications open with our clientele so we can kind of get gauge like, Hey, they're going to launch a new product or whatever. But then we also have a lot of systems in place that help prevent stock mm-hmm. issues like that. So unless, you know, Bezos, um, trips over the, the server room again, like he did that one day in December, um, <laughs> last year, uh, I think we'll be, we'll be fine as far as that bullet point yeah. goes. Awesome. Moving right along, perform troubleshooting of equipment failures, issues, and or problems escalate major issues that cannot be resolved to the operations manager, um, which I think we'd maybe t- touch on this a little bit about uh, on, the, on the last one when we talked about, yeah. um, you know, knowledge of all the equipment and the processes. But um, anything to add, Travis? To the I was just going to say, yeah, the one of the I mean what comes to mind is while I was in Mexico and, and the issue you guys said we're having with that one customer in the pre-treat and how you just swapped out the pre-treat machine. And, you know, um, you did a lot of troubleshooting. Um, you want to tell that story, Tate? Yeah, we have the oldest pre-treaters known to man. They were made when the dinosaurs were running the earth. (laughs) They're the the last things to cross the red sea when Moses led the Israelites. I mean, it was, and they were, they came over kicking and screaming. They were like, let us die. And then they were pulled by chains. Anyways, these things have a design flaw that causes pre-treat boxes to be pretty prevalent. Um, So any DTG person out there knows you can get a box. If you do too much pre-treat, these ones take that to a whole new level. So we had a client that we did a bunch of stuff for. It went out, and there was no QC really with it um, because we were just trying to rush it out the door because she needed it by a certain time. And mm-hmm. uh, when she got it, she sent an email and was like, hey, there were some problems, particularly with uh, some of the gray shirts that we have done. And uh, specific colors with DTG can be difficult to 
to master. Um, and when we acquired What for Apparel, one of the things that we bought from them was the the Pearl pre-treater that they have. And it had just been sitting in a corner, and it was kind of like, a, well, once we kind of figure out what's going on with vinyl and stuff, we can maybe look into that. And I was like, you know what? When I saw this email and saw all these bad T-shirts, I was like, okay, I want to test out the Pearl because I haven't tested it. I want to know what's going on with it. So I w- literally went and grabbed it, moved one of the other pre-treaters out of the way, set it up, pre-treated a shirt, figured out what settings we know we would need um, to use for our particular setup, ran it through the dryer, did a clam test or a clam heat press test, did a bunch of different prints on it, figured out what looked good, what didn't. And we've been kind of slowly adding more like, okay, let's test out this color. Let's test out this color over the last couple of days to figure out what settings for each color. Um, And I think we've gotten to a point now where there's literally no box at all, um, which is um, on certain colors, um, obviously. Yeah. Um, And then very minimal box on the rest of them, which is huge for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, now we're able to go back to that client and say, hey, we had this problem. We'd known about it. We've addressed it here's the solution we're gonna you know uh, go forward with this you know process to address that problem and um we're going to sacrifice the other pre-treaters to satan himself <laughs> in a wow. circle and he'll just hell itself will just come up and eat them. I, mean, I mean to be fair i wasn't aware of the seance rituals that were going to take place here but uh That's what the candles are know, for I- behind you Whatever, whatever you have to do to get rid of old pre-treats, I guess. If anyone out there has any better ideas on how to dispose uh, pre-treats other than invoking Satan himself, uh, join the Facebook group. It would be great to know uh, any suggestions that you might have. See, I just don't feel like baseball bat is just satisfying enough, you know? You don't want to office space it and just destroy it? Hmm. I feel like I so, could put it in like a trash compactor or something. That'd be fun. That's assuming I'm assuming that you've seen Office Space, which I don't know if that's a safe assumption. No. Uh, I'm le- yeah. I'm leaning more towards Facebook Marketplace. I don't know. Call me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just pay somebody to take it away? You know what I mean. I will pay you fifty dollars to take this you. out of my warehouse. It's uh, hilarious. Um. All right, next one on the list, research, recommend, and evaluate new procedural processes for the production department, including software and software and or technology advancements, which, again, I feel like we've touched on a little bit, but if you want to dive any deeper on any particular, if there's a story that you have that pertains um, to that particular bullet point in the job description, um, go on ahead. Yeah, um, we just recently upgraded all of our computers from Windows 7 machines that were built all around the same time the pre-treaters were built um, to modern-day Windows 10 machines. So um, luckily we had Mike here to help us with a lot of the the technical side of stuff, but it was a lot of it was recording the settings of like what the software on the old machines was using so that we could transfer it over smoothly and making sure that all the keys and access codes and all that were set up. Um, and that went over relatively, you know, without a hitch. I don't think we had any major downtime for due to the new machines. Um, and these new ones have increased production speed a lot, I think, um, and made things a lot smoother for people, including – or not including, but um, because of teams um, working better on Windows 10. And then um, the only really, like, major software things we've done is we upgraded our sublimation image ganging software to the modern version, but it literally mm-hmm. functions the exact same. So I don't know if that counts 
Um, what about procedural processes? What do you mean? Like for procedural processes? Yeah. Well, no, just it says research, recommend, and evaluate new procedural processes for the production mm -hmm. department, including software technology advancements. But I, I, I don't think it's limited oh. to that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is definitely DTG because we went from, um, you know, pressing everything with the clam press using a 2100 in the corner mm -hmm. and then um, <clears throat> clamming the ink dry. And we realized we're ripping ink off when we do that. So then we jerry-rigged mm -hmm. one to be a hover press. Mm -hmm. And then we realized it needs to be hotter. And then we realized <laughs> that this is a huge bottleneck. And then we purchased a 3070, which increased our production speed. And then we realized this is really a bottleneck with hover press. So we jerry-rigged another one to kind of work that way. Then we bought the the tunnel dryer. So a lot of that has been like figuring out like, okay, now that I have this new piece of equipment, how can I, you know, what can I reasonably expect from my production person? But then what, like, what is the process going to be now? Mm -hmm, um, right. Our initial process, I think the one that Mike kind of introduced to us when we were doing his stuff, when we first acquired the business was pre-treat everything, print everything, and then bag everything and that worked for the current system but now a lot of it is pull everything pre-treat and print at the same time and then once everything's pre-treated bag and print at the same time to get kind of you know two mm -hmm. things done at once and you can do that because mm -hmm. the 3070 is so efficient mm -hmm. um and because our, our processes have been so smooth um, and the tunnel dryer I, helps with that a, a lot oh too. yeah 100 percent. you know because you don't have to babysit a, a, a hover press anymore so I think that was like a huge um, freeing of, of time and space. So, you know, definitely that. I, I think the technology inside is also to do with like the new printers and stuff. But um, I think that, yeah, I think DTG is the only one that's really evolved in a major way. I think all the other departments have kind of stayed status quo since we have introduced them. They haven't, you know, gone through any significant right. changes. Yeah, maybe um, maybe our use of jigs in uh, laser and UV and yeah. laser and UV, um, and that was, I mean, that was kind of just us learning those processes because anybody who does laser and does UV in any type of bulk setting use jigs. We just had to kind of figure that out for ourselves, figure out what the best way to do those things were. And so now that's How kind of like them. if we're going to, yeah, if we're going to do a new product, we're going to make a jig for it because we want to make it as efficient as possible. Right. Yeah. And I think that's just, that's just my job description or that, that part of my job description is really just clarifying that I will be the person to learn the new machine or the new technology and then mm -hmm. inform the production staff on how to use it and how to best use it. Um, and I, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I've done that mm -hmm. pretty much yeah. every time we've upgraded something. Absolutely. So here's the last one, which I guess assist with production and shipping is needed. <laughs> I so assist that's, with production and shipping when it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty like much today. All right. Like, goodbye. Yeah. Like today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Tate Ross. We'd like to thank him for coming on the show. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I mean, that is obviously part of the day-to-day, -day, but like your dad said today, we are 
you're currently looking for a new sublimation text. So that looks in those instances, it's not just part of it's the predominant. It gets the lion's share of your time. If there's a, a tech that's mm -hmm. not, not here, especially on a Monday, you know, yeah. cause we've got the extra order from the extra, the weekend days that nobody's done any production. So it kind of piles yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, just common nature for anyone. You're doing a job, you're managing people. You see that they're behind on something. Your job as a manager is to make sure mm -hmm. that they don't stay behind. Um, so I've been doing a lot more hands-on with the production because we've been increasing the amount of production we've been doing. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm a lot of times in DTG helping bag, um, pulling, maybe even pre-treating. Um, I know a couple of days, like when I'm doing UV, I'll also do laser because there's a lot of embroidery that needs to get done. So I can do laser for our embroidery person who also kind of does the, the laser stuff. Um, you know, I took over the UV department entirely because sub was doing so much that they didn't have time to go back and do UV. Um, so it's just kind of like where it's needed. And obviously right now, like, like you said, since we're searching for a sublimation person, I kind of had to take that on. Um, mm -hmm. and that completely, you know, takes away from some of the other things that I have to do. So I have to figure out, okay, how do I get those things done still? Um, sure. and just kind of being very, uh, stringent with your time and knowing like, okay, these things have to happen. Um, you know, and then as a manager being like, Hey, embroidery person, you're done with all of your embroidery for today. You could work on SOPs or stuff, but I have production I need to get out. So I'm going to come pluck you and pull you over here and help you or have you help right. me with this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important as a production manager is knowing what your staff is doing and figuring out kind of like mm -hmm. assessing in the moment. Like, is this really important right now or can I have them do something else that's more important in the moment to help, sure. you know, get orders out on time? Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, did you do the magic questions the last time? Do we have the magic questions the last time? Too? I don't think we had them last. Know what magic questions are? Okay. Well, as with everything on this show, there's a bumper for it. So I'll explain it to you after the bumper. So probably one of the better bumpers we have on the show. The magic questions are a, a set of questions that we ask every guest. Um, we usually ask three of three of them, two or three of them, yep. um, depending on time. So, um, but they're just general questions um, about, you know, POD experience um, and just your career in POD or life in general. So Travis, go ahead and uh, pick the first one. Okay. Tell us about a time when something happened in the business that felt like a win, like a huge win for you. Um, could be for the business, could have been just personally, but something that felt like a big win. Um, I think the best win I had was we um, had just kind of finished up going through a lot of the replacement orders in January of 2021 um, that had come through because some issue had happened during Q4. 
Um, but then we realized that, uh, for whatever reason, one of the VAs from Mike's business had left on the, uh, UV listings for way longer than they should have. So there were a bunch of orders for stuff that we didn't know how to do. And Jackie and Mike were going to be out for a while. So I basically just had to figure out how to use the UV printer along with the person who was operating it at the time. She had gotten some training and kind of was able to do some of the products, but they had sold a pint glass and no one knew how to do a pint glass and had any idea. And when I talked with Jackie and Mike, they were like, yeah, we don't really know. So if you need to cancel it, tell us and we'll cancel it. And I was like, I want to try it because we have all these pint glasses and that as well. I'm assuming there's a way to do it. So I spent maybe two hours in there trying to figure out, A, how their rotary attachment worked to so that you could flatten a tapered uh, pint glass and mm -hmm. then figuring out how the rotary software worked or the rotary part of the software worked, figuring out how to align it properly and then printing it. Um, and when I finally got it done, it wasn't, you know, the spectacular, beautiful print. It was just a couple line of, lines of text, but they were on opposite sides of each other like I wanted them to be. They looked good. They, uh, you know, mm -hmm. felt solid, like they weren't going to brush off like some of the other prints that we had done previously while learning. And I felt very accomplished in that moment that I had learned something that I knew nothing about in a yeah. decent amount of time. And I, I remember that because um, that moment was a huge confidence boost that like, okay, even though this machine that I didn't even know was a print method until a few months ago <laughs> um, – and I, you know, knew nothing about the process of how it worked or how the machine operated or how the um, software was used. I f was able to sit down and figure it out. And I'm like, okay, if I can do that with this, any of the other machines I can do that with. Granted, I mm -hmm. hadn't touched the embroidery machines yet. And that was <laughs> very much a wow. test of that statement. So <laughs> learning those machines. But, you know, in the end, I got them to work. And that was, that was a huge win for me. Cool. Nice. All right, flip side of the coin. Tell us about a time when something happened in the business that felt like a complete failure. Um, while Travis was, was in Mexico, I did nope, nope. Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I when you in the when you're in the moment of production it feels like everything like is against you but then when you look back on it, it's like oh it was kind of just your typical day-to-day -day stuff i do remember there was one time where uh specifically again i was i was just starting working in the embroidery room i didn't know much about embroidery um the guy who had trained me didn't really give me the whole picture so there was a lot of blind spots um, and I remember and that, that guy who trained you was actually a tech, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. a licensed <laughs> Melco technician. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it was, it was kind of difficult working with the machines, like thinking you knew everything, but then like something would happen and you're going, wait, what doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and then not knowing what to do at that point. Cause I didn't even know Melco like tech support at that point existed, um, mm. To the extent that it did, I thought it was just like a shoot an email and then they'll get back to you in three weeks when they feel like it. Um, <laughs> so I remember – and at that time, um, Mike and Jackie were pumping their custom listings. And they had listed a bunch of fonts on Amazon that were mm. not embroiderable because um, they were distressed. 
And if you know anything about embroidery, each one of those distressed elements has to be individually sewn, and that takes way too long, doesn't look good, it's stupid, not worth it. So Mm -hmm. they sold a hat that had three lines of text, which if you know on a hat is probably way too much. Yeah, They were way too big. They had all these distressed elements. And I can remember I sat in the embroidery room for probably half a day. Like I think I came back after lunch and just was working on this one hat, trying to figure out why it wasn't working because I didn't know that it had to show each individual piece out. I didn't know that it was way too big. I didn't know that the the machine was like basically on its breaking point, like it was at its limit. Um, And so – I just remember thinking, going home that day, being like, I don't ever want to touch an embroidery machine again. These don't work. I don't know how anybody can make money on these things. This is stupid. Melco is a sham company that is selling broken <laughs> machines to people who don't know what they're buying. Just put like, them I in was, a circle and sacrifice them to Satan himself. Literally. <laughs> well, that was the, these were the baseball machines. I Because if you can see, you know, those cones, they'd be kind of fun to just... <laughs> with a baseball bat. I don't think the yeah. box of the pre-tree machine would be fun. But anyways, yeah, it, I just sat there and I remember going, I went home and I was so defeated. And I was like, we're going to have to sell these things and we're going to have to get out of embroidery because I can't figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me another week of working on that order over the course of three to four hats that I tried it on <laughs> until I finally went to Jackie and was like, what is going on? I, I don't understand I need you to cancel this order or tell me what to do. And she was like, okay, we'll cancel it. And then I found out weeks later after talking with Melko and stuff, figuring out like, yeah, distress fonts don't work. That file was way too big. <laughs> that was stupid in every conceivable way. Like everything that could go wrong for embroidery was kind of summed up in one job there. So Nice. Nice. All right, Travis, pick the last one of the magic question. Okay. Last one. What do you think the future of POD is? This is the crystal ball question. Yes. So you've got to put, put on, on your, your turban. turban, look into mm. that crystal ball, and tell us what the future of print-on-demand is. Well, it's definitely direct-to-film because that's the only thing anybody's developing right now anyway. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know. I, I think that um, transfers are definitely a part of – the future, but I think that the the biggest thing that is going to take over print on demand is going to be um, uh, like a department crossover. Um, I think a lot of items are um, being able to be produced so rapidly that you can um, justifiably charge a little bit more on one and take one process and combo it with another to make a really cool item. Um, that has lots of elements built into it. And I know people already do that, but I think that that could be the kind of next evolution of print-on-demand to where instead of doing batches of like, okay, this part of the T-shirt is screen printed and this part is embroidered, you can do that on demand because the embroidery machines are getting so fast and the DTG machines are getting so fast and everything's a transfer. So you just heat transfer, boom, throw it on the embroidery machine, doom, done. You sell the T-shirt for 40 bucks instead of 25 um, mm-hmm. and I think that the people that can jump on that, like our business can, cause we have multiple print methods, um, I think are really going to do well, um, and would stand to gain a lot in the print on demand space and would, you know, see their stores on online and stuff do well. 
um, and also attract more clientele mm-hmm. that want to do you know more unique items that will attract people. Because every day another SG four hundred gets sold, and another F twenty one hundred gets sold, and another mm-hmm. EMT sixteen gets sold to some guy who's going to put it in their garage and start doing baseball hats and T shirts and sublimatable mugs. So mm-hmm. being able to stand out from that and stand out from the crowd is going to be huge, I think, um, to not only get consistent sales but also um, be able to stay relevant for any long period of time. Good answer. Yeah, that was a good answer. I don't think that uh, anyone's ever given that answer as far as the future of, of POD. So very nice. I like it. All right, well, I think that – brings us to the conclusion of this episode a two-parter uh going over your job description but hopefully those of you listening found it to be helpful um mm-hmm. anything else oh, real Travis? quick you... i i want to yeah, shout out i want to shout out somebody because um the other day i was trying to close and these two random people showed up that said they was listen to the podcast and i haven't told either of you that this happened because you guys were both what? gone and i forgot about it until just now <laughs> um, because it happened on a Friday when I was trying to leave, and then I went out and did typical uh, things that made activities. you forget. Yeah, yeah. We'll just uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sorry to the couple. I'm forgetting their names, but they were very nice. They came around. They were like, "Yeah, we were like in the area, and we just thought we'd stop by." Oh wow! And uh, they had awesome. just listened to the episode with me. And they were like, yeah, otherwise we wouldn't have known who you were. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's fair. I showed them around the shop, talked to them, kind of gave them some advice about some different, you know, opportunities. He was thinking about purchasing a sublimation printer to get into sublimation. He does, um, I think he did DTG at the time, and that was kind of just starting out. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I uh, just thought that was so funny. I was like who are these people that my production person is talking to in the front? Like we had no one coming and it's five Oh 10. That's a time on the clock. And I'm like trying to leave right now. And so, and they're like, yeah, we just want to see the shop. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll get some overtime to talk to people. <laughs> That's really his, the motivation. Behind yep. I was like, thing. no, 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 don't leave. You should stay and talk for another hour. Yeah, no, what I'm other kidding. questions do you have? I can Anything. Talk to me. How's life? Yeah. Tell me about your ancestry and your 23andMe results. <laughs> and let's just have a good chat. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, shout out. If, if whoever that is or that couple was, uh, identify yourselves in the Facebook group so that we can. Yes, please do. Shout you out properly. Sorry, I and, forgot your uh, name. I am terrible with names and uh, I probably forgot it five seconds after meeting you. Cause that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> so in summation, Tate's bad with names and uh, come see us again. Yeah. Stop by any time. Uh, Travis and I are here. We'd love to, to connect and, mm-hmm. and chat. Yeah, also, so please watch out for the motorcycles United um, shirt going live on the print on demand store. Whenever that happens in the near future. I was, I meant to do that for this episode and I forgot. So love it. Motorcycles are awesome. Well, Tate, um, you have an option. You can stay here and listen to me ramble off the closing facts, or you can exit out and uh, not listen to me ramble off some closing, uh, monologues, but I'll leave that up to you. 
He's he's gonna. <laughs> All right. I'd like to thank <laughs> Saint Ross for being on the show. Uh, thank you guys as always for listening. Uh, it has been uh, great to to finish and wrap up this interview with Tate. Um, if you guys have any questions for Tate, you can reach it. Uh, reach out to him through the Facebook group. He doesn't have a Facebook, not because he's anti-social media, but because Facebook is for old people. So he that's probably why I'm assuming that's why he didn't have a Facebook. He's never told me that in, per, in person, but um, you can reach out if you have a question. Printedamancast.com slash Facebook is where you can reach out to him and uh, we'll relay any questions and any answers that he gives in relation to those questions. As always, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Google, Podcast App. Um, we're, we're all over the place. But if you ha- if you happen to listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, please leave us a review uh, and let us know what you're thinking, your favorite dad joke, or leave a dad joke. I don't care. Just let us know. Yeah, we, have, we haven't had very many uh, reviews lately. What's going on, people? I know. That's what I'm saying. If you leave one, we'll shout you out, and we will remember your name only because it's on the screen. But that doesn't matter. You're still going to get a proper shout-out uh, if you leave a five-star review. Um, so please uh, do that. You can rate us on Spotify as well, but just the star rating. You can't leave a comment or anything like that. Um, you can find us on other social media platforms besides Facebook, printondemandcast.com slash Instagram, printondemandcast.com slash YouTube, where you can find the video versions of each episode. Except if you don't want to wait until Friday, go over to Spotify on Wednesday because the video version is there as well. Travis. Am I forgetting anything? No. And if you did, I wouldn't know because I zoned you out like in the last part of this episode. Yeah, I zoned myself out, if that's any <laughs> consolation uh, to those listening. Uh, info at printedemandcast.com is where you can send us an, an email. I will say that. Yes. If you just don't do social media as a whole and it's not an ageism thing like Tate who had to leave to go burn the pre-treaters. Um, but mm-hmm. Tate is... <laughs> Tate is on Instagram, so if you want to follow him on Instagram. And so are um, we. And so are we. Printonamancast.com slash Instagram. Printonamancast.com slash Tate will take you nowhere. But (laughs) we will post. We can post his his username in the notes of the show if you guys want to give him a follow and DM him endlessly with your questions. His DMs (laughs) are wide open for POD after hour conversations because he loves getting paid. To, or not getting paid to talk about POD. We've established this. Uh, so anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, for Travis, for Tate, I'm Josiah. We'll see you next time right here on the Print On Demand cast. See ya. Hey, babe. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. We hope you enjoyed the Totally Tubular show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Want to be wicked nice? Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next time for sure.